You are listening to Get Real Podcast. Happy birthday, Dan. Happy birthday to you, Glennard Skinner. <laughs> it's been two years that we've been taking this wild, crazy ride called the Get Real Podcast. Wow. It's been a wild ride. Who would have thought that at this point in time in doing this that we'd be dealing with murder hornets, Sahara sandstorms, and COVID, COVID locusts, locusts, and the whole nine yards. Riots. Oh, crazy. There's a lot of stuff going on. Right? But we're expanding in gear. Look at the uh, yes. tinfoil hat. Tinfoil hat. Snow globage. Yes, and a video monitor, which we're oh. going to be venturing into some new things. Glenn, that's scary. I, we got to get in shape, bro. <laughs> You're in good shape. <laughs> I'll run six miles instead of four. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going to do. But we want to thank all of you who have been listening to the Get Real podcast, whether you're new or you've been with us for two years or whether you've been with us since we were the Get Real radio show on a radio station here in Charleston, South Carolina. Thank you for bearing with us, putting up with us and laughing with us and hopefully not at us. So whatever way uh, that goes. But I wanted to do something. I wanted to bless our listeners with another special edition for our two year anniversary last year. We had the awesome privilege of speaking with Richard Morrill, yes. one of the guys who founded Corn. If you haven't listened to that edition, you need to go back. It is absolutely hilarious. He's a cool dude. Cool guy. We got the inside scoop on Corn, and I was like, man, how in the world am I going to top an interview with Richard Morrill? So I sent some emails out, just seeing what would come back, and I sent an email out to the manager of a band that has been one of my favorites for for many years now the letter black it's like yeah let's see what happens and about two or three days later i get an email back it's like yeah they'd be interested in doing an interview on your podcast at first i was like i must be dreaming i need to kick myself pinch myself or do something like that but no it was true that mark and sarah anthony from the letter black wanted to do an interview with us and I was really excited about that. Unfortunately, Dan, you weren't able to be here due to some family situations going on. And what I did, I was like, you know, I really don't want to do this interview alone. So I invited our friends from Winner's Resurrection, Philip and Michael, to Love come up. Guys. And it was a big deal for them because The Letter Black is a band that has influenced their sound in what they do. So we got to interview mark and sarah anthony from the letter black and for our listeners if you're listening to us for the first time you can find us on all of the platforms itunes podbean spotify youtube we're there thank you for listening to the get real podcast and enjoying the time that we get to spend with you via the World Wide Web. But uh, we wanted to bless you with this interview. So let's go right to it now with Mark and Sarah Anthony from The Letter Black. Mark and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on this, our second anniversary edition of the Get Real podcast. It's a real privilege for me to be able to interview both of you because The Letter Black is a band that I've been listening to for several years now. I have your CD up on my rack and go to it often, and I'm really excited to have you guys on. So I got a lot of questions, and I'm sure our listeners have a lot of questions, and I'd like to start by asking how The Letter Black came about. You guys have a very interesting story. You started as a church praise team. 
How did you evolve from a praise team into a very skilled metal rock band? Can you share that with our listeners, please? Yeah. Um, so playing together on stage at church, you learn to work with each other very well. You learn each other's quirks. You kind of follow each other's leads and things like that. So building that foundation of playing together in church, that kind of set the you know foundation for the band. Yeah. And we kind of started writing together and, and creating our own songs and stuff, music and stuff that we weren't actually covering like we do in church. And so that kind of evolved into heavier and heavier stuff. And here we are, yeah. crazy rock band. Yeah. As I was growing up in the 80s and pastoring in the 90s, there was a lot of controversy and a lot of hoopla over rock music and Christianity, especially when you took Christian lyrics and applied it to rock music. When you were evolving into the letter black, was there anybody that kind of looked at what you were doing and they were like, eh, I'm not so sure about this? And you know, were your families and friends, were they supportive of what you were doing? Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, you know, I, I if anybody doesn't know, I didn't grow up in the church. And unfortunately, my mom got smothered with Metallica and Megadeth and the Misfits and everything you possibly think of that was insane <laughs> um, and crazy and thrashy or even Nine Inch Nails or Marilyn Manson, whatever it was. And, you know, my mom um, became a believer when I was in... Uh, middle school. So it was really kind of cool, the whole transition, because, you know, she kept always saying this to me when we'd be driving to school, she'd be taking to school in the morning. She's like, Hey, you're going to use your gifts for the Lord. And I said, mom, quit praying that prayer. I'm using the, my gifts for me. I want to make money. I want to, I want women. I'm not using it for God. Quit making that prayer. So I just think that's really kind of funny. So my mom was already conditioned to like metal even if she didn't want to, she was conditioned. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, we didn't have any opposition. There was nobody saying, Oh, rock music's for the devil. You know, we didn't have anything like that. So overall, everybody has been very supportive. Yeah. And during that process, as you were evolving, of course, that took major steps of faith to do that and to move into the area that you've moved into now and be so skilled at what you're doing. Were there any times that you had doubts in your mind that, is this really what God wants us to do? And if you did have those doubts, what were some of the the signs that God gave you that, yes, this is the right path? I feel like anytime I had questions or doubts, somebody would be sent with a story of, this is how this song has affected me. Yeah. Or uh, we would get a surprise payment when we were just about to <laughs> miss a payment of our own that we owed. Yeah. Um, so those were the times for me where yeah. when faith was being stretched very thin and tested and tried yeah. all the ways that God would, would show up financially or just in encouragement. Yeah. Those were the times where it reiterated, this is what we want you to do. You know, not, not just doing it for like, like he said, for fame, you yeah. know, um, or money or whatever. Cause if that was the case, then we could have quit a long time ago. Well, you don't enter the music industry if you want to make money or I shouldn't say make money uh, to, to be wealthy no. because uh, those Chances days are, yeah. are kind of come and gone. Not saying you couldn't, can't have a career and stuff, but it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's not like the eighties, you know? Yeah. Those days so, are over. So, yeah. So anytime that we wanted to give up or thought maybe, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. Um, God would, 
God would step in and say, no, don't give up. Don't quit. You know, like it's for a reason. It's not to make a ton of money necessarily, but it's for a purpose. So just focus on that purpose. That's a beautiful heart. And that's really, really attests to the power of what you're doing. And I think it adds to the power of the music of the letter black of where your heart is really coming from in that. I've been doing podcasting and broadcasting for, you know, for a while. And, uh, you know, it's not something that I do to get rich or get wealthy. It's because it's what God's asked me to do. And I'm just being obedient and trying the best I can. I don't know what I'm doing all the time, but, uh, you know, he, that's what grace does. And it's really exciting to see God's grace. It's kind of self-correcting in a lot of ways. Absolutely. One of the things that I am always fascinated with are band names. And your name has always fascinated me. I would like to know how you came up with the letter black, what that means and and the evolution behind that, because I've never quite been able to, some of them it's like, okay, I kind of get it, but I've never been able to wrap my mind around it. And one of the mysteries of the universe is going to be solved for me today. So I'm going to take this one. And this one's actually really simple. Uh, When we got signed, so we were signed to Tooth & Nail Records slash EMI. So EMI handled the mainstream side, Tooth & Nail handled the Christian side. And we're in the studio and whatever that was, beginning of 2009, May or something like that, 2009, recording our first record. But we're going to be in the studio for three months. And the owner of Tooth and Out Records, Brandon Ewell, comes to us and he says, in the studio, comes in the studio, he goes, hey, guys, you got to change your name. We're being sued. I said, what? He said, yeah, there's a band called Break the Silence. And there's the label is suing us. Their label is suing us because it's Breaking the Silence. So our name was Breaking the Silence. And so me and Sarah, you know, no pressure, like we're spending... 12 hours a day in the studio, no days off except 14 for hours. Yeah. I mean, we were doing, 14, we 16, were doing 80 hours. hour or more work weeks in the studio. So we we're like, yeah, so we were, now yeah, we, we got to change the name, change the name. <laughs> so we're in the studio. We're trying to think of it too. And we're looking stuff up. This is when MySpace existed and we're looking it up and we're looking up like ham sandwich and that's taken. And like I'm literally everything down to ham sandwich was taken. Ridiculous stuff. So, uh, our manager at the time, uh, he's friends with the band Helmet, and the lead singer's name is Paige Hamilton. And him and Paige Hamilton are just talking. And he said, you know, the name Helmet's really cool. He said, you know, I'm working uh, with this band right now. You know, they, they're, they're getting the labels being sued over the band name. He said, do you have any advice on how they come up with a cool name? He goes, Danny, it doesn't matter. They can be called the letter black. Who cares? <laughs> okay. And literally, that's how the band name well, came like, up. Okay. You know, and then of course, tooth and nail is like, oh, we're gonna put a Christian na- uh, meaning to it. And it's like, dude, there's no Christian meaning yeah, to it. Like, we, it's just they wanted the name. us to try and like make up some <laughs> yeah. spiritual meaning behind it, and it just never like we didn't feel right about making yeah. something like that up. Uh, yeah. So we tried it first when they asked us to, and then we're like, this is just stupid. Oh, it just it was, doesn't it was mean anything. So corny and just not. Us. So now, when everyone asks, what does it mean? Nothing. Yeah, it means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and a lot of people are like, oh, is it the Johnny Cash song? No, I love Johnny Cash, but no, it has nothing to do with Johnny Cash. Either. It literally means nothing. Yeah. You guys just gave me a business idea. I'm going to set up a website where like where you sell domain names. I'm going to come up with yeah. a bunch of band names like GoDaddy does for websites. And That's people right. That's just what go you there. should do. I just yeah. got it. I'm going to quit. My, I'm going to put in my two week notice right now and just just go shoot for the stars for that. You're welcome. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> Don't tell my wife she'll shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> So musical influences, Sarah, let's start with you. Who are some of the artists and bands that have influenced you? And I'm really curious to find out which ones 
that have influenced you that are not metal or hard rock genre, some other genre? Yeah. Um, I have two top two female vocalists that I always kind of go to that influenced me back in the day. And that was Alanis Morissette and Avril Lavigne. Those were my two girls that I liked a lot that were not in the Christian industry. Um, Now, there are a ton of other influences and bands and things like that. But I I really liked, especially Avril, she, you know, because being young and just having fun, skater boy, all that good stuff was out around the time that I really got into her. Alanis was, you know, more in the 90s um, when Jagged Little Pill came out and stuff. But um, I found out about her a little later and I, I loved her too. Yeah. Mark, how about you? Oh man, so I like a lot of pop music. I like a lot of country music. My favorite band of all time, um, everybody thinks it's Metallica. Metallica's right there. Uh, actually, my favorite band of all time is the Beatles. Okay. So, um, so that was, I would say that's probably the biggest influence on me um, when you're talking about telling a story and telling a story that you might not understand because it's in their own way of telling you a story. You know, I love the Beatles. Michael Jackson is oh, one yeah. of the other biggest ones for me. Um, that whole era kind of, you know, when you're, when you're going into that style of music, like, you know, I love Stevie wonder. Um, I like, uh, I mean, I can go with a bunch of bands. I love seventies is one of my all time favorite, uh, eras of music. So we're talking seventies music. You know, I love everything from like Steve Miller band, Pink Floyd, all the way to like, you know, even stuff of, you know, Merrill Haggard. There's just a lot of stuff I really, really like, uh, but country like, uh, me and Sarah both really like country. Uh, I like country '90s and later. I'm not so much of a country fan before the '90s. Yeah. Okay. You, Sarah likes a lot of, and so do I. A lot of the stuff that's currently popular, which is really pop music that has a little country to country. it. But, but like, I like um, Shania Twain and Sheryl yeah, Crow. Of and so Garth Brooks is a big influence. I would say how he uh, handled a lot of things. I have a lot of respect for Garth Brooks. You're listing like every single person. I know. I'm just like, I'll just stop. I would say, what, don't you do, what would be your current ones? Like right now, who influenced you right now? So for me, like there's a lot, but if you're talking not rock, like one of my go-tos is I love Taylor Swift. I just do. I think she's a killer songwriter. I like Katy Perry. I like Katy Perry. Okay. You know, I just think once again, you know, they can both write and that's a big, big deal to me. I don't, I'm not a big fan of pop artists who get handed songs, I like people who actually do songwriters. So, uh, same thing with Maroon 5. I think that's really important. Your influences, because a lot of people get so hung up that, well, I like this particular genre, so I'm not going to listen to anything else or you're not rock or we you're not metal. Exactly. <laughs> and all of the great artists that we've interviewed, they all have different influences and it's, genre really kind of starts driving me nuts it's like you know if it sounds good and it's good music i like it you know i'm, I'm a metal we always say mark anthony so we always say this and this is with management and the label we've always said this a good song is a good song yeah yeah i don't care what it is yeah. i don't care who sings it because you can have a singer who can't sing and sell hundreds of thousands of records because a good song is a good song so then so there's hope for me i can't say right. i'm not a bob dylan and i'm not a willie nelson fan and they have proven me wrong because they are humongous artists who've sold millions of records because they can tell stories and they can sing songs. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Man, you guys, I'll tell you what, between the online band name repository that people can buy stuff from and the hope now that I can have a music career as well, 
I am just you, you, you guys are life changers. I mean, this is this is awesome. There's a trend that we've noticed in doing this podcast, and it's not something that we planned, but the majority of bands, especially in the rock metal genre, uh, Christian bands uh, that we've interviewed, it's a husband and wife team. You guys are husband and wife. You've been married now for, I believe it's 13 years. Is that correct? That's correct. That's awesome. That is awesome. How has performing together and writing music enhanced your relationship as husband and wife? Well, it's fun to be able to do something that we both enjoy. You know, it's not something that I, when we started dating, got into, or because of me, he got into it. Like we both enjoyed music before we met each other. And so it's a common thing that we have that we get to enjoy together and do together. And it's, it's nice um, to have someone that we respect each other. So it's nice to have somebody that we can respect and bring ideas to and suggestions and, and, you know, we make each other better where I am not as good at something. He's great at it. And where he isn't as good at something, I help him out. So it's a good team. That's beautiful. That's what marriage is. You know, yeah. it's the strengthening of each other. It's really, that's a beautiful testimony. That's, that's really yeah. awesome. And also you are parents and my big, yeah, my big question is there, you guys are busy. I mean, what is it? 150 to 200 shows you did a year up until we had yeah, the COVID we were thing? Yeah, when we were really hard. hitting it hard. We, yeah, were, we were doing a lot of shows. We yeah. did like 10 months out of the year. Yeah. There was one year, literally, but we, uh, we were only, we only had 30 days off. Wow. And it was not all together. No, not it was all like together. three days here, two days there, five days there. Yeah, 30 days off. Oh, wow. How that do you how do you manage being parents and touring and flowing in the creative process? Because it's so easy sometimes just to get the tunnel vision on on what God's called you to do. And it, you know, it's something that I struggle with. How do you balance being a parent and being an artist? So we did things a little different when we um, when we had our oldest um, we was, we were still touring pretty hard, you know, at that time. And, uh, it yeah, was, he's been in six countries. He's been in every state in the United States in six countries, all in every Providence in Canada. You know, he was a baby. So of course he was only, you know, up to a year old. And then what happened with us, just a little background story is 2014. We had a tour with a band called the pretty reckless and we were going to be main support and the whole tour canceled two days prior to the first show. Uh, two and a half month long tour. She blew her throw out and uh, couldn't do the tour. So, you know, we had about 10 to 15 grand worth of merchandise that I can no longer sell because everything is uh, dated for the tour and everything and really set us back. And at that point in time, we were contemplating if we were going to have another child, what we were going to do, what's the future of the band look like, all that stuff, you know, um, just because we're not getting any younger at this point. You know, at that time, I think I was 31 or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't remember exactly. But regardless, we were just kind of reevaluating our life a little bit. And I said, hey, you know what? This might be a sign to put brakes on for right now. Let's just put the band off to the side. And let's just focus on our family. And that's really what we did is, you know, we started to really grow our family. We had, a, you know, we had our second child and then he was born and it was December, December 14. Of 14, you know, had him. And we did some shows here and there. And we did but some we- shows. But we, we, definitely, quit, we quit the full-time touring. Yeah. We really did. Um, just because we really wanted to focus on our family, you know, and 
come 2017, we dropped, you know, we brought out another record. Really felt God was calling us to do another record because at some point we were kind of feeling like, you know, this is it. We're done. We're just going to move on with our lives and put that record out in 2017. And Sarah at that time was pregnant with our daughter. So literally, you know, she's screaming, you know, like our heviest record to date. And she's screaming and impregnated with our daughter. You know, Nine so, months pregnant, baby. Yes. And that's probably why our daughter is such a spitfire. <laughs> she is a spitfire. It's all our fault. We should have done like a like a kids. Yeah, brother. We <laughs> yeah, we should have done like a kids pop record. <sighs> Holy cow! You know, it's like no, this goes heavy as possible. Seven string drop A. Hey, I screamed good, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, we did that, and um, you know, and toured throughout 2017. And then um, once again, we were just kind of like, you know, hey, what's going on? It's, it's really, I'll tell you something, you know, nowadays, unless you're willing to tour full time, full time, it, it's hard to keep, keep people engaged and wanting to support you or whatever it might be. So once again, we kind of put it on the back shelf. And then literally, it was really funny because, you know, we haven't talked after that happened. We didn't talk to the drummer for a couple of years and uh, me and the bass player, you know, we're still really close. All the, the three of us are still really close. And uh, it just worked out. It was like Valentine's Day or something like that, right? For mm -hmm. this record. And we were reminiscing and saying how much we miss just Letter Black. And our I mean? kids. Our kids My, our always kids. tell us, Jeez. you guys need to do the band. You, you need, need to, to write more music. <laughs> you know, My oldest wants to be the drummer. We were like, you know, we should really do this. And, you know, I, I pulled out. You have to realize a lot of these records we writ, wrote, Sorry, I can't speak right. We've written um, tons of songs. Like the first record, I wrote 80 songs. Like we have all these songs and so many good ones. I don't know why certain things didn't make a record or whatever, all the logistics of it. But uh, we were talking about it. And literally the next, and this is when I knew it was a God thing. The next day the drummer hit me up. He said, hey, man, I'm sorry. I haven't talked to you forever. You know, um, please hit me back. Um, it's been too long. I miss you. And it was just like, boom. It was just, we just knew. We're supposed to do another record. And I said, I'm just willing, I'm willing and able to whatever God wants us to do, we'll do and take it from there. And, you know, um, cause everybody always says, when are you going on tour? When are you going on tour? I don't even know what that looks like, especially with COVID not right now. Mm -hmm. We have no clue what that looks like, but realistically we have no clue what that looks like. We, like we know, you know, next summer we're going to be at all the festivals. We're definitely going to be doing the, you know, the Christian festival circuits. We're going to be doing the mainstream festival circuits. So that's kind of like touring without like dragging everybody, yeah. <laughs> you know, 365 days a year. I mean, that's still going to be like 40 shows or so. And, you know, right now, I think, you know, we're, we're of course willing to do kind of whatever, but I think we're kind of comfortable with, you know what I mean? Like keeping our kids, our kids are in good schools and I like that. I kind of like the normalcy, you know, this kind of goes on that whole Garth Brooks thing a little bit, you, to, you know, it took 14 years off to raise his daughters. Um, there's nothing more important that God gives us than raising our children and, and raising them knowing, not saying that you can't raise them on the road. I don't mean it like that. I just no, cause we absolutely can. We can. I have. just think our focus has really been, I don't want them to be on the sidelines on mom and dad's show. I want mom and dad to be on the sidelines for their show. So if wow. that means we have to do less shows, then I do less shows and, and, and swallow that pill, you know, they're only little for such a short time. That's right. There's going to be a time where they don't want mom and dad no more. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely not, right. Yeah. I want to, I want to savor that. 
So, in your music, you very adeptly address man's relationship with God. But one of the things that I find fascinating is you also very explicitly address our relationship with each other and relationships, how they sometimes are disappointing, how sometimes you get very hurt, how sometimes there's treachery in relationships. And in a lot of Christian music, it's all painted over with a brush, like, hey, everybody's happy and everybody's good. And, you know, it kind of, that makes me nauseous because that's not the way Everything life is. is awesome. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's not, yeah. it's not real. No. Why do you no, think it's, it's, like, it's like the Joel Olstein version of, you know, God wants to bless you all the time. <laughs> You know, it's just not always the truth. <laughs> Why do you think it's important to address those issues in such a raw manner in your music? Because everybody goes through it. Everybody deals with it. So why act like it doesn't exist? That's yeah. not a help to anybody. How you help is you share that you're not alone in it. And there's hope through it. And there's a way out of it. So that's why we talk about it. It's yeah. real. Yeah, I mean, take the take the situation where if it's a... You know, a, a husband who's been unfaithful to his wife or a wife who's been unfaithful to her husband. Do you think that they're just, you know, automatically right now just, you know, dying to, to, to praise God? You know, I mean, they're going through something right now and they need their friends their, that are believers and all of that to get behind them, support them, pray with them. And not everything is always um, like you said. It's awesome. Just, yeah, it's not always awesome. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes life sucks. Yeah. And, and it's okay because God's here with us through it. Um, he didn't say it was going to be easy. He said he was going to be here. And that's what matters. So in 2017, when you did your album Pain, you were able to team up with Megadeth bassist David Ellison. Now, of course, yeah. hearing how much you've appreciated that music growing up, that was probably like a really big deal to you and really exciting. Oh, yes. Yes. So here's a backstory on it. So I, and we played... So I don't know if you know anything about NAM, but NAM is a really big music like uh, conference. It's the biggest one. It happens once a year, and it's always in uh, Orange County, okay, LA, Orange County. So we went out 2010 because I had to play. The Letter Black was playing a show for Chi uh, from uh, Oh my goodness, Deftones, because he was in the hospital at the time. So we were helping raise money. It was like us, Pod. Betray you a bunch of bands mm -hmm. that were doing it. So, so we did it. But while I was there, there was another band who was playing there, and they were called Hill, H A I L. And it is Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater played drums. Uh, Dave Elson played bass. Ripper Owens was the singer. I'm trying to think who else was there. Um, uh, Phil Demmel from Machine Head played lead guitar, and then Jake the Snake from Skid Row. Okay. So Jake couldn't make it. So somehow our manager knew Dave Elfson and he said, Hey, I know you're looking for a guitar player for the show. Check out the letter black. See if you want him to play. He heard it. And he said, absolutely. I want this guy to play. Can he play with us? So they sent me how many, like 50 songs, Sarah, mm -hmm. like, Hey, here's all these songs. And I need you to learn it in a couple keys, not just one key, a couple keys. Cause I don't know what key we're going to play in him. So I scrambled because it was like two weeks. Yeah, you only had a couple of weeks to, to practice. do it. And I was like a big child when I met all of them. Mike Portnoy is my all-time favorite drummer of all time. I'm a huge Dream Theater fan. Okay. So um, I get there. I'm like a total 
I don't know, because I was the youngest person there anyway in the band. I was so nervous, and these guys were so chill. And I smiled the entire set I played with them, just smiling. Like a kid on yeah, a roller like a coaster. <laughs> so, but that was how that connection all started. And then they, they wanted me to tour with them <laughs> and then couldn't do it because of Letter Black. And that's kind of how that relationship started. And then when we did Pain, he knew it was we weren't on Tooth and Nail anymore. So it kind of led to, hey, I would love to put this record out because um, he's always been a fan. So, which is cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. And a cool thing about a little thing about Dave. I don't know if you know, but Dave's a believer as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's pretty awesome. Like having that connection. And he's just so sweet. He is. He's just, he's the real deal. He's very genuine. Very nice. That is so, that is so cool. As you guys have progressed as a band, you've gotten heavier and heavier with your sound, which I think that the down tune and the guitar keeps getting a little bit lower and lower, which is kind of cool. Um, and that's, that's basically where I live is in the world of heavy music. And for me, maybe it's just me or maybe I'm crazy. When I enter into a deeper relationship with the Lord, the music that I listen to gets heavier. And I'm wondering if with you guys, as you've been, growing in the Lord and as there's certain topics that you've had to address that are a little bit more intense, such as hypocrisy and relationships. If you find that the heavier sound is better suited for that than a lighter sound, is that, is that kind of what's going on? Yeah. I mean, there are certain topics that just don't sound right being sung over say worship style music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> just doesn't, um, doesn't jive very well so some things are said better with heavier music um just the the nature of the topic um now that being said i i mean i don't think style of music has an effect on me personally at least um toward depth or feeling close to god it i think it just depends on topic and and what i'm trying to say so then it's like well in what manner am i speaking am i passionate about it or am I broken about it? Am I quiet about it? Am I, you know, so you got to kind of think through where you're coming from and then, you know, it kind of fits. This record is going to be more eclectic, kind of like hanging the first album, hanging on by a thread. That whole album was very eclectic. The rebuild album and the pain album were pretty unified and they did get progressively heavier, but this, fourth album which has yet to be named is going to be more eclectic like the first one there are going to be very very heavy songs there are going to be some normal quote-unquote normal uh rock songs so yeah we'll see but there's no slow songs no slow songs okay no no slow songs so even like the last record kind of had two songs that were kind of slow slowish you know, um, we might have one slowish song. We'll see. Yeah, we don't even, it's not even really <laughs> slow. It's like a moderate tempo, <laughs> 90s kind of vibe to it. Okay. But uh, yeah, so it's, um, uh, this record is a good, good blend, like Sarah was saying. I, I would say it really touches base of the best parts of each record, you know? So take, you know, Hanging On By a Thread, where that song, Fire with Fire, you know, Believe, were kind of the, the three big ones on that record, um, which are more modern rock. You know, just arena rock, modern rock. Um, you know, we kind of have some of that record for this. Um, we have some from Fear, where it's kind of like Last Day That I Cared and uh, Fear. That's all on this. So so we'll see. And you guys are working on that album right now. I've been watching you on social media. Things are coming together. Any idea on when we might be able to feast our ears on the new Letter Black album? Yeah. So Sarah has to sing five more songs. 
and then it's done. Yep, we record nice. drums on July 11th. yeah July 11th, and then after that we send it to get mixed and mastered, so and then hopefully we'll see early or mid August, late August. But we'll talk September. Yeah, I, we have we to talk know. with the label still. We see have when they're going to release singles because singles yeah. will come first before the record. I just don't know when they're thinking the release of singles. Um, so we still have to talk with them to yeah. construct a final plan. Yes, a final marketing plan because the record will come out around the singles, meaning like they're going to pump the singles for a while and then put the record out. And you're still looking for a title for that album? Yes. Well, in addition We've, to in addition to the band name website, I'm setting up a uh, album title website. Yeah. So for 1999, yeah. um, you know, I will right. be more than happy to help you with that. We should call it 2020. Yeah, really. Yeah. The craziness of 2020. Yeah, really. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I've been uh, watching you guys on Facebook, your Facebook live feeds, and one of the things that I've been very impressed with are, are your acoustic songs that you do acoustically on there. And for me, when you can take away from all the distortion, you can take away from all of the mixing and all the production that goes into it, and you get right to the core of it, it really proves the efficacy of, of, the, of the artist to me. Mm-hmm. Would you guys mind doing a acoustic song on our second anniversary? Yeah, we, for we mind. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm not giving you access to my 1999 uh, <laughs> album title. We would love to do an acoustic song. Yeah. Can I grab it? Yeah. We figured we'd do the old but good hanging on by a thread, oh. or as we like to refer to it as Hobat. Yes. We call it Hobat because if you abbreviate it, which is everything we did, every single sheet of paper that we would have uh, with the set list, it's H-O-B-A-T, hanging on by a thread. <laughs> so we would like to do that for y'all if Thank that's you. okay. We'd love it.
Thank you so much. Thank you. Actually, that was one of the first songs I heard from you guys that that got me hooked on you. And the same for my friend Michael over here. And that was that was exciting. That was exciting. Yeah, Thank nice. you so for much. your own personal concert. There That's you go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mark and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Get Real podcast. Hey, where can they uh, find out more about the letter black if somebody's listening and they've never heard of you guys, if they've been living under a rock for the like past 10 years? Yeah, um, we have Instagram page. We have Facebook page. We have Spotify if you want to listen to our music. Yeah, we have Twitter. We have YouTube. We have our website, which is just letterblack.com. Yep. So you can find us in all of those avenues. Thank you so much again. And for our listeners, if you want to reach out to us here in the fishbowl at the Get Real podcast, you can do so. It's lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. And you can check us out at lithoscry.com. People, thank you for listening to us for two years. And we hope to be around for many, many more. Guys, thank you so much. Thanks for having us on. (laughs) lithoscry.com. Get Real will be soon back.